Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, and wife of one, here to share everything speech, language, play, development, and all of that other stuff that falls in between. So today, we are going to be talking about you learn how, trial and error, and by the end of this episode, you're totally going to know what I'm talking about. And for me, this episode really hit home because for eight years, I'm not kidding. You guys can laugh. I'm not playing at all. When I tell you eight consecutive years, my daughter has taken swimming classes. And let me tell you, for seven of those eight years was a flop. Maybe because we only did it in the summer. Either way, it was a whole mess. And it has been quite the journey. So like year one and two, she just played around and wouldn't take the instructor seriously and like started catting off with friends and doing other stuff. Year three and four, she refused to put her face in the water. She stopped playing, but she wouldn't put her face in the water. So, you know, like if you're a swimmer, if you don't put your face in the water, a lot of times your body will just sink. (laughs) At least anything below the neck will just sink, which then gets in the way of you learning how to swim. By year five, she got her head underwater. But by then she was kind of dismissing herself as a bad swimmer. And we were like, no, you're not a bad swimmer. You just only do it during the summer. You need practice. Year six, she had private swimming lessons. And that's when we started seeing like some serious, steady progress in the girl. Like she really started, you know, taking things a little bit more seriously. She was a little bit older. And so, you know, I think she was ready by then. Year seven, COVID, no comment. Year eight, (laughs) year eight, we go to a friend's pool. I explained to the friend, you know, she's taking classes, doesn't necessarily know how to swim. She hasn't quite put it all together yet. Not yet not yet we're hoping for it but it it hasn't happened yet and and we're good with that she still likes the water uh she knows enough to know how to float but like swimming not there she made a fool of me five minutes in this girl was swimming swimming from side to side from one side of the pool to the other side of the pool it was like she just put it all together And I was like, oh my gosh, you're swimming. Daddy and I didn't waste all of our money. Oh my gosh, our money wasn't a waste. And and that was like probably not the most PC of responses, but it was so much trial and error that went into this girl learning how to swim and us continually encouraging her year after year after year to keep at it. And now my girl is swimming and you know what? If we didn't let her have that space to try, something that didn't come natural would have never come and she would have never known that she could accomplish something really hard. And so you have to imagine, because my wheels are always turning like, well, what if I discouraged her and and kind of dismissed her off? Like, okay, that's just not your jam. You're not a great swimmer. So, you know, whatever, we'll find something else. Or what if I banned her to life? to to floating devices and kept her head only above water, just kind of like, okay, well, we'll deal with water safety. We're out in the water too much for that. We like the water too much for that. So that wasn't quite it for us. And she actually was really motivated to want to do it. And what if I would have just decided that because she wasn't, you know, quick to learn swimming, that we'll just keep her away from the water, whether that be ocean, lake or pool or whatever. 
that would stink because again goes back to point number two like we really like water or what if i would have like poked fun at her for not being able to swim and for her fear and for her coordination barriers because there was some serious coordination things going on there to where that girl it, it took time y'all i said eight years literally and i guess we can say seven because COVID doesn't count so maybe she would have swam last year i don't know but nevertheless, I digress. You get my point. Trial and error is what it seriously took for her to come to the conclusion that this was something that she could do. And it was definitely on her own terms because I wasn't even in the water. She was in the water by herself. I was talking to my friend and then boom, the girl is swimming. So when we think about trial and error, trial and error is the ability to attack a task, fail at it and attack it again. Fell at it and attack it again. Fell at it and attack it again. <laughs> and maybe there's some refinement along the way. Usually there's some refinement along the way because when you attack that task and you fell at it, you want to refine what you did to accomplish that task. For my daughter, it meant that she had to get comfortable putting her face in the water. She had to learn breathing techniques. She had to learn how to stroke her body and do big arm movements and not pound the water like that, but chop into the water like a little knife. And it took all of those things coming together for her to learn that if I try this and I tweak this, and if I try this and I tweak that, eventually it's going to happen for me. And we see this all the time and have no clue what we're seeing unfold. So think about when your little infant is starting to make that transition into walking from that crawl to walk. What do you see them do first? They raise their bodies up. And what does the body do? Plops back down. They raise the body up again. And then they successfully get it up. But they don't have what? The leg muscle strength to keep up. So what do they do? Plop back down. And then they finally get up. And then they're cruising the couch. But eventually, after a few little paddles, they plop back down. And then after some time, they finally put it all together and figure out that, hey, with enough leg strength and pulling up that I can balance myself and coordinate myself to walk. When sugars are learning how to talk, that's another trial and error kind of thing. When those babbles get really complex, the ba ba ma ma ba 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 ma ba those, eventually that turns into a word. And there's some trial and error in that because sugars are learning how to use their articulators in order to produce sounds that are words. Because by the time they're ready to talk, they've heard the words enough to know that, hey, this is a word. And hey, this means something to me. And hey, I can use this to get to what I want. And then as sugars get older, taking on tasks like bike riding and swimming, it takes trial and error. You fall down on the bike, you get back up. You try to paddle and swim, your body just completely flops on you and you go underwater and you jump back up and stand up in upright position because you don't want to do what? Drown or fall or drink chlorine water because it's not delicious or salt water, whatever you have around. It's just not a fun thing to do. So our sugars need to experience trial and error. And some trial and error is going to naturally occur. There's going to be trial and errors that us as world changers, we're not going to get in the way of because those are natural things that we expect to occur. But for sugar, the more complex stuff that we don't necessarily think about that comes harder to sugar, we don't sometimes give them the time, the space, or the tools to 
kind of try and fail, refine, try and fail, refine, try and fail, refine over and over and over again, because it's a learning process. And not only is it a learning process, but it teaches sugar how to problem solve, how to reason, how to contend with difficult situations and tasks that they may not have known how to do prior to. It teaches them how to seek out resources for support and it provides them esteem when they accomplish that task, self-worth and confidence to try more difficult things in the future. And so I've kind of alluded to this already, but trial and error learning really starts from day one. Now it's not as complex and sophisticated as it is when they're older, but you have to know for a blank slate, when the, when the sugar's coming out, it, it's almost pretty much a blank slate. And so whatever they accomplish at that time, it really does matter. It does. So if crying gets mommy to come and daddy to come and either feed me or hug me or hold me, then mission accomplished. I know that this is a tool that I can use to get my needs met versus if I just go dig, 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 and make those gurgly sounds, that's not getting much done, right? Mommy and daddy think I'm content and I'm just sitting there making sounds. But I know for sure every time I let out the waterworks or I start eh, 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 somebody's looking my way, right? Trial and error. Giving sugar a toy versus allowing them to crawl to it. Trial and error. If we allow them to crawl to it, not only are they building up that muscle strength, but they're focusing in on that thing versus it just being given to them and put into their hand. They have to try and maybe they, you know, fatigue a little bit along the way and you see them do the body flop or maybe they get frustrated because they're not that fast and couldn't get to the toy that fast and you hear the eh, eh, eh and you're like, okay, here, you tried, like, here's the toy. But I, I almost argue that it's okay to let them muddle a little bit. I mean, don't be cruel and pull the toy a hundred feet away. Don't do that to the baby. But like, at least let them try for something that's reasonable for them. Saying words for them versus allowing sugar to express themselves. This happens so much more than what we think. And I was also guilty of it. If you notice, I have a rapid rate of speech. And so you can imagine what my processing is like. And for my two-year-olds who were learning how to talk, I would initially fill in the blanks for them. And I had to pull back from doing that, especially for my daughter. I would, she was first kid, you know, trial and error kid. And I would fill in the blanks for her. And I had to learn to not talk for her, but just stand there, be patient, let her get it out versus me coming in and not having her go through the process of what does it take for me to put these words together to communicate whatever it is to mom and dad, whether it's happy, sad, frustrated, commenting on things, whatever it was, responding to questions like she needed that space to think through. All of our sugars need that space to think through versus us coming in and giving them the words. And I also see this a lot with my sugars who have fluency disorders, like stuttering and things like that. Us as world changers like to come in and talk for them because the last thing we wanna see is our children feel like they're failing. And if they get stuck in a stutter or they start repeating or they start blocking on a word, then we give them the word, but we then take away the ability for them to work on like, how do I work through this block? How do I learn to work through this prolongation? How do I easy breathe into this situation? It's a real thing. And we're all guilty of it from time to time. Again, I am. And I'm an expert on language development and <laughs> pediatrics at that. And still, as a mom, I'm guilty of doing it. Another way, completing the puzzle 
rather than allowing them to muddle through it. Yeah, the puzzle is hard. It's supposed to be hard, especially as the pieces are chunky and they're clunky and you're trying to put them in and it gets more complex or you're trying to put it together. So instead of taking it from sugar and doing it for them, I challenge you, put your hand over their hand and then put it in together and just kind of shift their hand the way that you want their hand to shift and then let go and let them do it. Because again, it's a learning process. And if we don't allow them to learn, if they don't make that tangible connection, then there's no neurological connection. Just like with speaking, if there's no verbal connection, they haven't done it, there's no motor muscle movement, then the brain is not picking up on how to DIY it. How do you do it yourself, right? Versus listening to mom or dad do it. So there is scientific backing to support this. I actually researched this because I was really interested in like the idea of trial and error learning. Science says a lot about trial and error learning. And the reason why is because it really is an integral thing that our sugars need, not just for academia, but also for life. Like how do you problem solve through relationships? How do you reason when you get news that you don't like or make sense of things that don't always make sense? Like our sugars need those experiences. So as difficult things come along, they're able to cope and reflect and come to a conclusion on things, but also they're able to attack things and have the character to attack things that don't come naturally to them. So there was a study in 2013 by Gunderson and some colleagues, and they looked at the long-term effects of parent praise and toddlers and how they did five years after that. And when they looked at praise, they looked at saying, you're so smart versus, oh my gosh, I like the way that you worked really hard at putting that puzzle together. And it was really interesting because the sugars who got specific praise for like attacking the task were more willing five years later to attack harder and more challenging tasks versus the sugar who would hear like, oh, you're so smart or you're mama's big boy or you're daddy's big girl or whatever those kinds of praises and, you know, like the, the personal affirmation is what they call them. And the reason why is because when we attach the you to the intellect, you're so smart. Well, what happens when you come against something that's challenging? Does that mean that I'm not smart anymore? Does that mean that I can't handle the task in front of me? Does that mean that I'm not equipped for this? Does this even mean that there's something, this is something that I shouldn't even be trying, right? Versus saying, hey, good job on mastering, putting those blocks up. That was very good. Oh, I know that that was hard for you, but good job. You, you finished this, you got there. So now let's try this. Something about that praise that's like directly associated with the task help sugar along the way when again, it was time to do more difficult things. So this is so important because we have to make sure that when sugar is attacking something that's difficult, that they're not associating their intellect to a task. Because there's a lot of things in life that we approach that we're not necessarily great at and we need trial and error to try it again and again, but we also need that confidence and grit and that cheerleading support in order to try again and again. And in many cases, it's not directly related to intellect, it's related to opportunity to try that task and repeat it and refine it and try it and fail and repeat 
and to even talk through that process of what it was like to try it and to fail in what areas was a flop in order to then refine it for future trying, right? And so if we as the world changers present a, well, nice try, but you failed mentality, then our sugar might walk away with, okay, I tried it, it was too hard, I'm not good at it. Or if we take over, whether we believe it or not, like our words and our actions matter. Actions actually speak louder than our words in this case, because if we take over the task, then we're subliminally saying that sugar, I don't necessarily think or believe that this is something that you can do, right? And nobody wants to do that. That's a tricky one. That is a tricky one. And the final thing that could happen out of that is that they may lose the motivation to try and attack the task just because they feel like it's something that they can't achieve, right? And so if we're telling them, you know, you're smart, you're this, you're that, and we're attaching that to them, then again, it goes back to, well, maybe I'm not smart enough to do this. I've never been good at math. I always hear that from the older kids. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at whatever it is. And I'm like, are you sure you're not good at it? Or maybe you just need a different way to approach it, different learning to approach that task. And once they hear it that way, it's a game changer for them. And I've had these conversations with two-year-olds like, are you sure? I don't like it. Are you sure? Well, let's try it a different way. And the worst thing that can happen is you try it, you hate it, and I'll never make you do it again. But you got to put your all into it. And once we agree on that, hey, winning. So what should we do? Because there's always something that we can do to help this process along, not only for ourselves, but also for sugar. Because one, we need to be their biggest cheerleaders. And two, we need to set them up to feel like they can win because in most cases, they can. We need to challenge sugar. We need to present tasks that are difficult to them. I do it to my son all the time. My son naturally gravitates, and most kids do, to the things that he's great at. And he fights me and avoids me like the plague for the things that he doesn't like. Writing, it takes too long, it's boring, it's long and arduous, and not like writing a story because he'll write a story, no problem. But if I sit and make him like, okay, you wrote that, I can hardly read it, but I see you've gotten words on the page and you read it to me, so I know it's real words on the page and it makes sense, good job. But I, I, I want to be able to read the words for myself. So now I want you to go and rewrite it, take the time, to make it uh, legible, because I know you have nice handwriting, and do that. He hates it, and he whimpers. And I tell him, well, you can whimper, but it's not going to change what I've asked you to do, and good luck with your life. And then I have a, a parting way, bon voyage, I'm going somewhere else, and you whimper alone, because I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but that. But that's me, and it works for us, and then he does it, and it's not that bad. And so when you're giving a challenging task, whatever that is, just be reasonable. Start at baseline and then build up from there. So like, for example, I'm not going to make this guy copy or rewrite 250 words of something or copy 250 words out of the book because that's unreasonable. That's not quite where he is, but getting him to rewrite what he's written, fair, fair, especially because he didn't do it right in the first place. He knows better. That's my rant of the day. <laughs> Progressive praise. Don't present the entire task at once. Give it in smaller chunks. That way you can give them progressive praise, kind of going back to the, the Gunderson study of good job at trying this part. Now let's do that part. Good job at trying that. Now let's do this. 
And that just gives them the confidence that, hey, if I did this thing and it was small and it was hard, then I could do a little bit more. And it's a little bit harder, but I can do it. I can I can handle that, right? And so if you do that, you're giving them the steps and it's, you know, it's hard, but they, they can handle it. And again, it's like that baseline learning to where you're starting from the bottom and you're just incrementally giving them the steps that they need in order to have enough trial and error to flop because you want them to flop because you want them to have the resilience to get back up and try it again, right? We're not going to win at everything. Throughout that process, we can provide hope. If you don't believe in sugar, who will? I don't need to say anything else about that. Provide affirmation of feelings. Now, this is one, if you're not an emotional person, if you're, if that's not your construct, I know that thinking about emotions, why would I bring emotions into trial and error? It's, it's important. And you can bring that, you know, bring feelings into it without becoming an emotional wreck, right? I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but I know that you have the grit and determination. I know that you can do this. I know it sucks. Given that validation, they need that, that validation, like affirm me through this process. Adults need the affirmation through difficult things. We all need it at some point and it doesn't make us wussy and it doesn't make us, you know, we're going to make a soft kid. No, it, it doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, we're going to help our child not become explosive because they're not holding on to the, the feelings. Like, have you ever done the science experiment where you put the, um, the seltzer in and you tie up the, the bottle and the Coke and then it just explosive. We want to avoid that if at all possible, because we want to make sure that sugar can work through those feelings and work through those emotions and be cool with, okay, I'm feeling like I'm about to lose it. And then us just coming in and being like, I see where you are. It's probably time to take a break before you lose it. It's not a reflection of your intellect. It has nothing to do with you being able to complete this task. You fatigued, you've hit a roadblock. Let's go back and, and try again. So we're helping them through that process of I can be frustrated and I can go back versus I got so frustrated with that thing that I just didn't even want to try it again. It was probably something they could have accomplished during that time. If it gets to level two to where the tantrum does ensue and they fall apart and it's the big explosion and you're like, oh my gosh, affirm that feeling as well. Just don't become a part of the pity party. Oh, it's okay. I know you're frustrated. I know you're mad. I'm going to give you a minute. Don't show nothing though. And when you're ready, come back to it. And it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. Don't let them get into the, I can't do anything right. I'm just not as good at this. And just give them the look. If you're watching on YouTube, just give them the look. Like really, really, because you couldn't put the puzzle piece in. You're not good at anything. I don't know how you got that out of that. And just bring them to reality. Like that doesn't mean that again, your intellect is not attached to attacking a task, trial and error, trial and error. Don't attach intellect to task failure. These are not synonymous. They're just not synonymous. And I feel like I have to overemphasize this, that intellect and task failure do not go hand in hand. Everyone is naturally great at something. Everyone has an area that they can improve on. So be the world changer that explains that to sugar. Teach that mastering things is a process. So if you started it, you don't have to finish it that day, unless it's something that can be finished that day. You know, leverage that out. 
but also again give the validation that it's okay to try difficult things and it's okay to take your time to learn it the right way the first time versus stopping and never trying again grit and resilience remind them what they've accomplished in the past that was difficult for them and if they did it for that task they can do it for this one again it's a buildup. It's a progression, right? We don't expect the infant who just came out to naturally start walking. And we don't expect the infant who just started walking to do the 100 meter dash. So we want to be reasonable about like the things that they have accomplished and the things that they're going to and can accomplish in the future. Get your hands dirty. Now, get your hands dirty is not synonymous with takeover. Those are not the same. Get your hands dirty means provide a little bit of support. Don't take over. Join in the process. Kind of like the hand over hand thing. If I put my hand over your hand and I see clearly you can't like this is new for you to get that puzzle in, then maybe I'm going to shift your hand a little bit like that and then let go and let you put it in and be like, yeah, you did it. Now you try on your own. It's the bike riding thing. I'm going to hold the back until I feel like you're confident enough, like you're steady enough for me to let go. And then we just watch what happens after that. And even if you fall, I'm going to remind you that, hey, look, for a few feet, you nailed it. And they're going to be like, yeah, I did. And you're going to be like, yeah, you did. Let's do it again. And they're going to be more willing to do it again. And they'll probably even be like, don't let me go. I'm going to let you go. But I'm not going to tell them that. I'm going to hold on again. And then I'm going to Hold them as long as I can until they feel confident and then let them go because they need to believe in themselves. And if I am always there as the crutch, then they're never going to get where they need to be. Trial and error. Fall down again and again. That's why they got knee pads and, and fun stuff like that to make sure that if you do fall, you can minimize injury, minimize risk. It's fun stuff. Finally, do not provide an escape route. Don't do it. Do not provide an escape route. It may mean that in the future, sugar will be more reluctant to try hard things if they always have a way out. Then you run the risk of other snowball behaviors of like maybe starting things and never finishing, relying on other people to do the work, not pulling their weight. That's not right, not quite fair to the people around and not necessarily fair to them because they never figure out what they actually are capable of doing. So we want to avoid that. We want to help, but we don't want to take over. And we don't want to give them a cop out because it's hard. We want to give them the tools that they need in order to try and fail and refine and talk it through and try and fail and refine and talk it through. World changers, watching our sugars muddle I know is one of the hardest things to do. Learning through trial and error can be just as painful for us as it is for our sugars. Like, honestly, it's hard stuff. Remember, I watched my daughter for eight years, technically seven. We can, you know, subtract the COVID year, fight and avoid and eventually learn how to swim. But she learned grit and resilience through that. And now she's doing all kinds of stuff in the pool that I never thought she'd do. She's doing handstands and she's sitting down at the bottom of the pool and doing all kinds of stuff and going all the way on the deep end and feeling confident about going to and fro. And I'm simply proud, not at what I did, because I just feel like I was the cheerleader along the way, but seriously watching her decide for herself on her terms when it was time, because we kept giving her that opportunity. Trial and error, y'all. No one will ever be able to take those skills away from her because now she has the confidence to continue to try harder things. 
And nothing in life that's truly worth fighting for is going to be easy. It's just not going to be easy to obtain. It's going to take time. It's going to take cheerleading. It's going to take practice. It's going to take resilience on their part and the, the cheerleading and, and all of that stuff on our part to make sure that our sugars become masters at trial and error. I know you can do it, world changers. Join me next week where I will discuss, I don't want to be a teacher. I just want to be a parent. I'm going to break down for you that guess what, y'all? You are the teacher. And it's okay. Because you know what? I'm going to also teach you some first steps that you can take to make it fun and embrace the inner educator in you that you didn't even know that you had. You got it. You just didn't know it. It's going to be a hoot. So you don't want to miss it. Also, join the interest list for my upcoming book. Watch me connecting to your child through play. This is an experience that you don't want to miss. I take play principles and make it easy for you to apply. You'll walk away with lots of tools that will get you on your way immediately. This is not no novel. It's nice, short, straight, simple, to the point, because that's how I like to get things done. Also, if you're not on my mailing list, what are you waiting for? Become a part of this community where we can connect, grow, and learn together. And finally, if you are enjoying this podcast and you have a few extra pennies to spare, I would love for you to join my Patreon community. There are a bunch of different levels, so there's no amount too great or too small. So go ahead and check that out if you have a chance. And everything that I've mentioned today will be in the show notes, including everything that I cited today, because y'all know I'm not a plagiarist, but everything else will also be there, including the book interest list, the mailing list link, the Patreon link, all of that stuff will be down in the show notes. And keep sending in those questions, world changers. You can send those to questions at I've got this So until the next time, world changes, take care.